Let me say, let me get, let's, let's start right out with this. Merry Christmas. Come on, let's hear it. Going to say it a lot, aren't we? Act, I mean, uh, yeah, Acts 11. If you go ahead and turn there, we're going to get there in a few minutes and uh, share some things with you this, uh, this morning. And uh, you know, there's, there's two ways that you can learn. You can either learn by experience or you can learn by example. And that's basically, if you know anything, uh, that is the way that you obtain the knowledge that you have that's causing you to live the life that you are living right now. I don't know about you, but I would choose to rather learn by example. I would rather that Pastor Hardy made the mistake and I could learn from him. I mean, he makes so many, and so we learn a lot. And, uh, but I would rather him do that than me, because if I, if I had to do it, then it's through example, and it's all, I mean, through experience, and it's always a painful thing. And not only that, I don't have enough time to do all this, to mess up all the time and all. So he's got to do some of that as well. I say that to say this, what we're trying to do is learn from example. You know, we studied uh, a couple weeks ago, we studied uh, Nehemiah and, and talked about discouragement and depression. And we're talking about things that we deal with. You know, uh, I know sometimes that we get to, I think one of Satan's ploys is to get us in a position where we think we're the only ones facing this problem. No one has ever gone through the problem like you're going through. That's just not true. I mean, uh, in fact, Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all, we're all dealing with similar problems and all. Uh, we like to maybe think that's not the case, but it really is. Uh, if you're a parent, uh, you say, well, you know, I saw this couple and they, their children were perfect. <laughs> uh, you just don't know that couple very well. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, that's not the case. I, I believe God gives us children to humble us and make us suffer. But, uh, but anyway... So uh, what we're striving to do is to get you from that, because here's the deal. If Satan can get you pushed into a corner and getting you to believe the lie that you're the one, the only one going through the problem, you're the only one facing this, and, you know, I'm sure you've never done this, started feeling sorry for yourself. You know, oh, poor me. Well, look at what I'm going through. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like it springs up on you overnight. All of a sudden, a big sign comes up. Are you ready? Victim. I am a victim. And you get to that stage in your life, and it's very difficult to do anything about that because, I mean, you're at a point where, you know, the path is almost closed to try to help you through that. And so what happens is we, get, we become a victim. I mean, it just goes from bad to worse to awful. And, uh, and you say, well, why, why isn't God doing some spiritual, some tremendous things? It's because we're dealing with people that, let me tell you something. When you become, when you become a victim, you know who you're concerned about? You. You are captivated with you. All you can think about is you and your problem and your difficulty, and uh, there's no way out. There's no way I'm going to get through this thing at all. And so, therefore, it puts you into a situation where you are neutralized. You no longer are effective because you are spending so much time dealing with you. And if you dealt with yourself very much, you understand you're hard to deal with. You don't listen real good. And so that's why that I've tried to do my very best to bring to you some examples of some people that we can learn from what they did. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Nehemiah dealing with depression, dealing with discouragement. We talked about it. There in Nehemiah chapter 4, he said, well, I didn't, I didn't get the message. Well, download, download our app, and you can just get the message. They're, they're on our, our, our website, so just pick them off, and you can, you can listen to them. 
and dealing with this area of discouragement, depression. Uh, if you read Nehemiah 4, we talked about it. We explained how difficult that is. We explained that, that uh, when you get to that state, it puts you into an area where, where you know, uh, it's, it's universal and it's very contagious. You ever been around someone depressed? Isn't that fun? You know, I mean, you just, they're depressed. You just, I mean, they're a bum. You bum you out. You know, it's a lot of world. And so we talked about that. Uh, today, uh, we're beginning a, a two-week study. If you want to you go ahead and read, uh, uh, read Hebrews chapter 11, great faith chapter. Uh, but particularly verses 8 through 19, we're going to give a couple lessons in the next two weeks uh, dealing with difficulties. And uh, we all go through difficulties and problems and all. Uh, years ago, I... Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. Occasionally when I prepare for messages, I have to read cartoons. And uh, But there's this cartoon. you got to realize who I'm dealing with here. But there was a cartoon, this old, old country preacher. He, was, he was, uh, had his hands up and he was praying. He said, oh, God, I don't ask you for much. Only one thing, dignity. And that's the, that's the, that's, that's the screen. Over here, you see him, his hands up, and all of a sudden the lightning bolt hits him right in the stomach. Doesn't kill him, but his pants fall down. And he has underwear with big red hearts. He said, the Lord, this is a test, ain't it? Do you all ever feel that way? That what you're going through is a test. Uh, you're having some difficulties right now, and you're wondering, well, what's happening? You know, what's going on in my life? Why am I going through these, these difficult situations? No. And I know that you felt that way. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with a guy named Abraham, and there was four tests he went through. Now, the circumstances may be different, but the tests are always the same. And so we want to look at his life. And uh, one thing I found about tests, after years and years of formal education, if you're going to be taking a test, it might be good to study for it. Would you agree? You might want to prepare for the test. And through the years of dealing with uh, uh, folks, uh, uh, particularly with teachers, I have noticed that teachers are very mean. They want to hide the test questions. Have you noticed that? I mean, they don't want, I mean, I, you know the kind of test I like? Open book tests. You know, I like to be able to read the test and, and see what's getting ready to happen. And that's exactly the kind of test that the Lord wants to give you. He wants to give you an open book test. He, he, he wants you to get it. He, he, he's not trying to kind of sneak up on you. He's not kind of, he's just trying to say, you, 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 you know, sometimes I, I talk to people and they talk about God. And it's almost like a mysterious thing. Are you with me? It's almost like, ooh, you know, like God wants to hide things from me. And in order for me to get really a good relationship with God, i got to kind of sneak it in there and all. That's not it, guys. God wants you to make it. He's for you, not against you. He, he, he takes no joy when you mess up. You know, sometimes we, you know, I realize we, you know, we all do mess up and, you know, and, uh, and as a parent sometimes, uh, you know, when your children go through things like that, you, you take no joy when they mess up. You don't want to see that happen. And so, and God doesn't want to see it happen. He, he wants you to make it. He's for you. He's rooting for you. He's in, he wants to do everything he can to encourage you because he's God. He loves you. You may, you may not have too many people love you, but he does. You know what? He even said it. He even wrote a love letter back when folks used to write, when folks didn't text. But he texts you today, I love you, God. That's what he's saying. And so the test we're going to talk about the next couple weeks, uh, we'll see the first one. Now, you're going to hear this several times. Real believer. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this to you. A real believer would do this. So you'll hear that several times. And I, I want that to kind of stick into your mind. I, I don't want you to kind of 
try to figure out what is he trying to say. Well, I want to say it up front. I'm going to use the term real believer because here's a question you've got to ask yourself this morning. Am I a real believer? Really? I mean, say, well, I go to church. Yeah, but are you a real believer? Well, I've been baptized. Well, yeah, but are you a real believer? Well, you know, I'm, uh, you know uh, uh, I, I go through the church stuff and all, and I play the game. A lot of folks play the game called church. There's a difference between a real believer and what I believe happening in our churches today called spectators. They're coming for the game, you know? They're coming for the show. Uh, they're coming for that, for whatever else, the feel-good stuff they may have. They're coming for all that and all. And, and, and so I have to ask the question then, am I a real believer? And if I am, this is what it will look like. And so my goal the next couple of weeks is to be able for you to determine that and say, okay, I, if I'm a real believer, this is how I'm responding. So follow me now. And so if I'm not responding that way, then I must not be a believer. I may be religious. You know, I may, I, you know, I may, you know, I don't want to be a bad person, but I'm not a real believer. Now, look here. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 8. You got your Bibles? Verse 8. Let's look at the first test. Test number one. Uh, verse 8. Here is it says. He says, uh, I'm in the book of Acts. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm not even in Hebrews. I thought, have you read that? That makes no sense to me, that verse 8. <laughs> but you know what preachers do? They make it work. <laughs> now, Dale, you know that I'm telling you the truth. Now, you know that's the truth. You've read that stuff, and man, this ain't, this ain't nothing where I'm supposed to be in all. <laughs> book of Hebrews, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> feeling no pain. Well, a little pain. Okay. You say, you're embarrassed. I, I'm not really. Verse 8, here we go. By, now, get this. Get this cool. What's cool? What is going on here? By faith. Get that. By faith. Very important to get that terminology. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance. Now, he's called of God to go to a certain place. You know, this is, this, this is what's being said to him. And the next word out of the scripture, he obeyed. He, he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. I, mean, I don't know about you. This is a pretty tough situation that's going on here. He, you know, God is getting ready to work in his life. And, and the difficulty is this. It's a major change coming on in Abraham's life. Maybe you have a major change getting ready to happen in your life. Well, that's a difficult situation. And so we see this was going on in uh, Abraham's life. And I'm sure he had several questions. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about all the questions, but, but if you start reading, you kind of read in there. I'm sure he had questions like, you know, where, where am I going? God didn't, didn't say. Well, then, okay, how about how long will it take for me to get there? He didn't say. He said, how, how will I know when I get there? No, that's been said. Now, I don't know about you. That's that'll kind of bum me out. God is saying, well, God, you know, Abraham, I, I want you to, I, I want you to go. Okay. Where do you want me to go? Just get on the road and I'll tell you. You know, you all that married realize you don't have to worry about that. Your wife tells you where to go. You know, <laughs> some of you they don't act like that's true. You lie about other stuff too. But um, anyway, but God, God is dealing with a Abraham. And let me tell you something. He is asking him to leave Mesopotamia. Abraham lived in a town called Ur. <laughs> I think I'd have left there too if I'd have been him. But uh, where do you live? I live in Ur. Really? 
you got to be committed. No, I live in Ur. Okay, good enough. And so he, he was told to leave. He was told to get out of there. He was told to go. And here, here's the thing you may not understand about this deal that was going, this major change. Abraham was 75 years old. He wouldn't eat spring chicken. He was, I mean, he was ready for Social Security. He was ready to pack it in. And what God was going to do, with him, I'm going to give you social insecurity. What a bummer that must have been for him. I mean, have you ever had your life all planned out? As you get a little bit older, you do that. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the lightning bolt reveals the hearts on your underwear. That's not a real scriptural thing to say anyway. But you know what I'm saying. And so you're sitting there going, really? Come on. And so this is what he was going through. I, I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't realize these were real people, had real problems, and had, you know, hey, he was a rich guy, by the way. He, was, he had camels and cattle and, and sheeps and all that kind of stuff, but there was no moving companies. How are we going to get that stuff out of there? Huh. I mean, he was a mover and shaker in Mesopotamia, a little town of Ur. And he was, he was a big fish in a small pond. And pretty soon, you know what God said? Change ponds. That had to be fun. And so a major chain was com- it was changes coming from life. Here's a statement. The test. A real believer will follow God's leading without knowing where. <laughs> That's the point. A real believer will follow God's leading without knowing where. I'm sure, and let me say this, I get around some people that call themselves Christians, and they're like zombie types. I mean, I think it's okay to ask questions. You know, well, I don't want to ask the question. I don't want to offend God. Oh, come on, guys. He wants you to ask him questions. You know, where am, you know, some of you hear, you know, where, you know, where am I going? I, think I, I don't think that's a bad question. You know, I, where do you want me to work? Uh, where do you want me to live? Uh, where do you want me to retire? Where do you want me to go to school? I mean, I think, I think all these questions are, are very important, you know, when it comes to major change in our life. But let me tell you something, guys. Listen to this. If your faith, the stuff you call faith, does not require any risk, I doubt you have any faith. When I read that book about faith, that's one thing I read pretty consistently. There's always a risk you could lose, you know. Sometimes, you know, have, have you ever lived your life in such a way that you want to make sure that you, that you got all the bases covered? You know, and I, I'm not, I think you need to be as prepared as possible. I got that. But, you know, there comes to an element of faith that within that element of faith, and God says, I want you to do this. And Abraham, he had all, he, he had everything taken care of. And God says, I want you to root yourself. I want you to go to a place where I have you. There's a major change coming in your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be some risk, but risk is involved when it comes to the area of faith. And so this morning, you may have walked in here this morning and, and you're dealing with some major change and you're really struggling with it and it's a difficulty. Well, then what, how does a real believer function with something like that? Well, a real believer functions with the following God's leadership when he doesn't know where. It's talking about relationship with God. He goes on, look at the second thing. Verse 9, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as a strange country, in a strange country, I'm sorry, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. In other words, they were dwelling in tents. How many have ever lived in a tent? 
How many have ever, how many have ever been in a tent? How many knows what tents are? Gosh, okay. We have a, 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 my brother-in-law, Ron, uh, and Marilyn are great campers. They love to camp. They think camping is so much fun. Oh, we love to camp. My wife loves to camp. Holiday Inn, Hampton, and that's where she camps. But, uh, you know, think about camping. We went with them one time out camping, and, 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 you know, invariably it happens. They took us out camping, tents, and, of course, it rained. I found out something about rain and tents. If you touch the tent where it's raining, the rain comes in. You can't be touching the tent now. But anyway, it's very, it's very temporal. It's very temporary, wouldn't you agree? Can't you imagine how all this stuff must have been? How, how all of a sudden, okay, we're heading out. Get all the crew. We're heading out. You know, God said for us to go, you know, to leave the place we are, so we're leaving the place we are. And he's promised, he's promised to take care of us. He's promised to meet our needs, but we're still in this tent. In fact, when you read the scripture, it says of three generations. Can't you imagine Sarah? Talking to Abraham, Abraham, honey, when do we get a real house? Can't you? I mean, you know what, Dad? You know they said it. I mean, come on. Say, well, these, these are people, you know. I mean, it's not that he couldn't afford it. He could afford. He was. He was. He was. He was loaded, you know. And but but it wasn't the time. And so it, there were some, you know, you know. Some, sometimes we get around people and they talk about serving God and they think serving God means you don't have any problems. Or you don't have any difficulties because I'm actually, well, I've given my life to the Lord, so everything is wonderful. You need to read your Bible. That's not always the case. Well, now, everything is wonderful in the fact that God's in control. But being God being in control doesn't mean you don't have some hard days coming your way. Why? Because you're a part of a thing called the human race. And in this world we live in, you're going to have tribulations, what he says. So he's, he's talking about this situation. Not only that, I think it's important that what's happening here is God has promised him a thing called the promised land. That's what was coming together here. Uh, you, if you're here this morning and you're a real believer, then you understand what the promised land means. Uh, for this situation, there was an exact, for this people, there was an, an exact land they were talking about. The same thing's true with us as believers. There's an exact land talking about it. The Bible's real clear. A real believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So it's important to understand what he's talking about here. Now, <clears throat> I think it's also important to realize that God, get this, guys, God wants us to live our life based on promise, not explanation. God wants us to trust him. You say, well, I wish God would explain this to me. Well, here's the thing, guys. There's a scripture that says this, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're much higher. And sometimes I wonder, you know, God, would you, it's almost like, God, would you explain this to me? It's almost like I'm hearing this. No. <laughs> not going to happen. And he said, well, well he's so mean. If, if I would simply, because I could simply understand it, I would do it. Really? Where's your faith? He you said you really would do it? Yeah, I really believe you wouldn't do it anyway. And see, here's the deal. The reason a lot of times he can't explain stuff to us is because his thoughts are not our thoughts because they're much higher. And if he tried to explain it to us, we wouldn't get it anyway. So why, why don't we just do what we're supposed to do? You know what that is? Obey. Have you noticed? Wasn't that interesting when you looked at verse 8? You know, he said, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which should, after received of an inheritance, one word. What's the one word, class? Obey. Did, he, didn't, he didn't put a lot of commentary with it. One word. 
Obey. Obey. That's it. You want to obey. Do what he says that we are supposed to obey. Obedience. You read the scripture, there's one thing you'll find that's over and over and over in the scripture. Be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient. It always works. Always. I can handle most tasks if I can see an end to it. Where it's gonna where this is gonna stop right here. The tests that are hard to deal with is where I don't see no end. I don't see where this is gonna stop. If you've lived for God very long, you've been there. I don't know what, I don't, I don't, you know. And you say, well, then what's that called? That's called faith. Let me give you a, let me give you the lesson here. A real believer, you've heard me say it a couple times now, haven't you? A real believer will wait for God's timing without knowing when. <laughs> a real believer will wait for God's timing without knowing when. Man, I tell you, uh, I don't know how many, you know, it's it's so easy to jump the gun on something. Uh, it's so easy to kind of uh, put my own thoughts in, my, how I think it ought to be, rather than waiting for God. And, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings of the eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean a waste of time. Man, if God would get any gear, we'd get something done. Really? Have you ever lived for God very long? You've said that. In fact, Pastor Hardy's saying it right now about the core project. He thinks it all. He thinks God's dragging his feet. Yes. And I, I think the thing is that you got to get to a situation to realize that if if God's in control of a situation, I, I've often found this to be the case. He always does it at the right time. Have you ever said something, a good thing at the wrong time? It's a mess a mess. I mean, you know, you may have had the answer, but you had it at the wrong time. Uh, why don't you say the right thing at the right time and get the right results, and let's get the thing done. You know, why is it, and I find this true of a lot of believers, including this guy up here, why is it that I can't do it right the first time? Why do I have to have do-overs? Y'all ever made do-overs? I'm going to do it again, God. It's, like I run, it's like run me around the track one more time because I haven't got enough brains to do it right the first time. Do it right the first time. He has promised. And what he's promised, he will do. This is going to happen. That, well, if this, you know, if this happens and that happens, I don't care about that kind of stuff. He is the God of the circumstances. He is the God in control of, of time and space and, and, and the future and everything. What is my responsibility? Obey. You say, well, man, that seems kind of robotic. I almost said, I don't care what you think. <laughs> but that, see, I wouldn't say that. But, see. but I can tell you this. He's giving you a choice. If you choose to do it his way, would you sow? You're going to reap. Every time I hear stuff like that, it's, oh, I always, it's almost like a, a weird kind of a sound. Then like, ooh, because what you sow, you're going to reap. But bummed out, man. That's a good scripture. Sow good stuff, reap good stuff. Amen. Sow good stuff, reap good stuff. That's good. That's not a bad thing. Obey. How can I obey? I don't know where I'm going. 
obey. When am I going to, uh, I know you've got, I know you've, you've promised me this stuff, but I don't have it yet. But you can obey. Do what you can do. Do what you can do. Let God do what he can do. Don't try to be God. That's the problem with people today. This is going to really, you're going to like this. God don't need your help. He's got this. He's got this. What you need to do, you need to plug into the power. You want the power? Plug in. Plug into the power. Real believer will wait for God's timing without knowing when. And some of you are going through that little test right now. When are things going to get better in my, better in my marriage? When are things going to, when am I going to get married? When am I going to have a baby? When am I going to get well? When am I going to get my problems solved? When am I get my prayers answered? What are you asking God to do in your life that hadn't happened? What is that? Major change is a difficulty. Real believers will follow God's leadership without knowing where. A delayed promise, a real believer will wait for God's timing without knowing when. Now, guys, here's the question. And this is the question you have to answer. Are you a real believer? You know what's, when I, I know I say that, and, and you probably, if you've been to church very long, you probably heard guys, guys say that kind of stuff. But here's the scary thing. With what studying we're seeing done and what uh, the, the people that do uh, surveys and all that kind of stuff when it comes to churches, asking, you can, ask, you can ask questions to find out where people really are. They're telling us a great number of people that come to our churches are not real believers. You know what they are? Spectators. The church is filling up with spectators. They're coming for the game. They're coming for the show. And they walk out no different than they've walked in. They came in. They absorbed whatever they were looking for of excitement or soothing their conscience or whatever. And they walk out and they're empty inside. Empty. Empty. And they ask the question, is there really a God? I feel so empty. See, it didn't have to be that way. If you died and went to heaven, and God asked you, why should I let you to my heaven? And that may be the question, guys. Why should I let you to my heaven? What are you going to tell them? Baptized? Church member? You know, to me, the most the funniest I hear people say, I don't I just don't do bad things. I think you're such a liar. Well, let me let me let me tell you what that is. Pastor Harding, let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken anything? So you're a thief. Have you ever have you ever told something maybe not the truth? So that's a lie, isn't it? Have you ever Thought any bad thoughts whatsoever. So, with your own admission, you're a lying thief, adulterer. You're a sinner. See, here's the problem, guys. For all have sinned and short of the glory of God. This is where the problem. This is where the problem is right here. We think we're pretty good. I'll talk to people. Say, "Well, I'm not as bad as so and so," or 
you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I've not murdered anybody. You probably thought in your mind you probably have. You really have. Say, I'm not a murderer. I, I would dare say you probably are. You even pulled the trigger, but you've conceived the act. So you are a murderer. And you, it's so easy for us to, with our pompous attitudes, say how good we are. It's not all that good. When you get down, when you get away from the, what do you call it, the, the junk, the fake grief. And you, this morning, you need to understand the Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory. You stand before God this morning as a sinner. And if, and if it ended there, it'd be a sad thing. But the Bible goes on and he says this in Romans 6. He says, for the wages of sin is death. We know that. And, and, and that's the result of sin. But the Bible says, but God commend, but God giveth, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has given to us a gift. You say, you know, and I think it's very important when you understand that the person that gave the gift was God, and the gift that was given was the Son. And the reason it was given was to take care of that sin debt. The sin debt had to be, someone will pay the sin. And so this morning, you need to understand that God sent his son to take care of that. And the Bible is real clear that you have a responsibility this morning to receive that gift. When you walk out of here this building this morning, it's, it's your choice. You can, you can receive it or you can reject it. Or you can make this. It's always people say, well, I'm not receiving it. I'm not rejecting it. I'm just simply not doing it right now. You rejected it. That's a rejection. When you walk out that door, there's no assurity you'd be walking back in. I mean, the life is so, we think about just what's happening in our, in our country. That's two or three, the, the wrecks and the people that have died during the different uh, automobile accidents. They're, they never plan on that. We never plan on death, but God does. He says, it's appointed that the man wants to die, but after this is judgment. And he says that in a way to kind of get us, to shock us into reality, because you need to do something about it. Someday is no day. So, it's a gift. You know, you, you hear us even sometime in, in a humorous way said, if everyone, if, if people around you knew all about you, they wouldn't be sitting with you. If they really knew what you thought, what you did, they wouldn't even be with you. But God knows everything about you and still loves you. It's cool, isn't it? Wow. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's pretty good, isn't it? God loves me. He loves me so much, he sent his son for me. And his love for me is not based on my performance toward him. His love for me is based on his son's performance toward him. On him, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. And when he gave him, he gave him as a sacrifice, as a payment for the sin. He says in Romans 10, I talked about dealing with the heart. And a lot is said about the heart. And I think it's important to understand with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confesseth man to salvation. It's a heart issue. 
uh, this morning, it's a heart issue. If you don't know the Lord as, as a real believer, it's a heart, there's a problem right here. You know, and we have a, a responsibility and, and a, an opportunity to do something about that. He says in Romans 10, 13, which is, I believe, is the, it helps us to understand how to receive that gift. In Romans 10, 13, he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. It's, it's important to understand what we're talking about here, guys. We're not talking about uh, we want to make little Baptists out of y'all. Some church type. We don't make you churchy. According to the statistics that we're getting, a lot of church people are not real believers. All they know how to keep the rules. They know when to stand. They know when to sit. They know when to uh, say whatever is expected to be quoted from them. But really inside, it's empty. When I talk to people, say, oh, yeah, that church doesn't work for me. I said, you know what I tell folks that say, family, church doesn't work for me? I said, it doesn't work for me. And let me go a step further. It doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> Get a grip. We're talking about relationship. We're not talking about religion. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time you've asked God to forgive you for sins? To understand what it means to be a sinner. And to realize there's nothing I can do qualify or to merit heaven. But I stand before God as a sinner. To realize that God loves me and cares for me. And I'm willing to ask God to forgive me and to cleanse me. And thank him for the price he paid on Calvary and to ask him to come into my heart and be my personal savior. And the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Wow. Have you done that? If you say to me, I hope so, I say probably not. Probably not. Why would you walk out of here and not take care of that? I just don't get that. Let's bow in prayer. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're just going to talk to the Lord. As I'm praying, you can talk to the Lord.